This episode is brought to you by CEP Compression Australia. CEP Compression brings the user more energy, greater endurance, and enhanced performance during activities. For a discount at CEP, use the following code online, local legends in running. To the local legends in running podcast where you hear the stories of local legends in the australian running community that you've simply always wanted to hear today in season two episode 16 i interview gold coast runner tim vincent just two years ago tim rose to running fame very quickly he won the 2021 bridge to brisbane 10k in a time of 28:45. fast forward to this year he placed third at the launceston half marathon with a time of 63.18, and then 14th in his debut marathon at the Gold Coast in a swift 2.17.17. In this episode, Tim firstly talks about his experience at the Gold Coast and then dives into his running story, finishing with training talk. As always, whether you're hitting the pavement for a run or doing the weekly chores, throw the headphones in and enjoy hearing from one of our great up-and-coming runners. I'll give you the official welcome to the local legends in running podcast. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome, mate. It's Sunday, 16th of July, uh, two weeks actually from your debut marathon, but we'll get to that in a moment. We just spoke off air about the G to Jetty. Uh, you were there a few years ago, had a win in the half. This morning, I think the winner was about three minutes behind you in a 107, Nicholas Free. Was your time, tell me, I think it was 64-ish. Was that is that a current course record? Um, I'm actually not too sure. I do believe it was um, 64, though, yeah. There was one year um, I raced Jack Bruce there as well, and we had a pretty good race. So I think it was that year. It was probably low 104. Yeah, I, I do that. think the course might be a touch kind, to be honest. So, yeah. yeah. But um, for that course, I think, yeah, 104 is probably the quickest in the last few years. Yeah, back in 2020, where COVID was like very rich amongst our areas in Brisbane anyway. So to see, I just forgot G to Jetty had run that year because I think from memory, the Bridge to Brisbane was cancelled. The following year, you'd uh, won it famously to the local community in Brisbane anyway. You'd won that in 2021. But 2020... 
to see Jerry Jetty on the on the books for a running race uh, in the calendar it was great to see you too. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed that year of local running within Queensland. Like we were able to do different challenges. So, for example, something like Jetty to Jetty, where we're usually pretty banged up by July and still love getting out there and having a run. We're extremely fresh and kind of not thinking about anything overseas. So you had like guys um, as talented as Jack Bruce and um, trying his hand in a half marathon. I was primed and ready to go. I think Kieran Tall might have even come up one year from Sydney. So it was just like good to have a big field for a race um, that's quite local and kind of um, put up some performances for that event, which um, previously hadn't usually been done just because competition gets diluted with the amount of races on. So that was nice. Yeah, it's an amazing course though, up uh, from Woody Point to Scarborough, basically on top there through Redcliffe along the water. Beautiful, kind of undulating. You wouldn't call it crazily, um, you know, elevated, but uh, there's a few hills to contend with. Yeah, plenty on the way back. Woody Point's a killer if anyone's done that course on the way back. You get it in the, um, actually everyone does, don't they? Except the 5K. It's been in the 10K as well. It's yeah, uh, probably 2K to go. So absolute nasty hill. But yeah, good place to make a move if you got the gas. Yeah, I think the 5K turns before the hill. But um, anyway, before we get to you, one of your um, fellow uh, mates and also Gold Coast Runco athletes, Jordan McLennan, was on here just last week talking about his race, uh, also a debutant in the marathon and only a few minutes behind you. So it must have been a great experience, one, to be out there with him, but two, to see uh, a mate uh, bode so well uh, himself in his first ever marathon. Absolutely. And I've even told this to Jordan and I'm not even ashamed to say it. Like that I reckon is his hands down best run. I think it even is on points as well. Um, yeah. Or since I've known him anyway, um, it's just like he got proper stuck in like, like we all should have, but he just had whatever words you want to say to describe how good his run was. He just had that extra gear that um, for example, guys like Ed, Liam Adams all had like huge runs um, retrospective to their own PBs. So, yeah, it was good to see Jordo have a huge run. Um, and even, I think, you might have to correct me, I think he beat a lot of those people in that 219 pack that he was with. So he hung tough in that pack of good guys as well. Yeah, I was there out there, had about 25K, seen yourself pass, um, <clears throat> excuse me, pass me and then him in another pack at that time of about seven. So he really did do well. And the thing I wasn't really impressed with too, I think the guy's only done about two half marathons where we look at someone like yourself yeah. um, and this is not taking away nothing from you because you've, you've uh, come in two minutes ahead of him, but you've run plenty of halves and some absolute cracker halves, including the Lonnie Launceston Half uh, running festival this year, a few months back with um, a very close race to and fast time with Ed and Ed Goddard and Andy Buchanan. But um, it's impressive too, to go from someone generally running the shorter events up then into the marathon, hey? Yeah, and um, the other thing I'd like to say with Jordo as well, and I think hopefully this will get him in there now that he's had the success in the marathon, um, is due to jump in a um, half that's a bit quicker. Like I think his half PBs don't quite do it justice. Maybe he's still learning the distance or hasn't quite got the confidence yet to completely go and run the half that I think he can, but I'm hoping the marathon now, um, yeah, kind of gives him the confidence to probably chase like a 64 or maybe even faster next time. Um, 
I think he's got a lot of potential over this longer stuff that he's only just working out now, which is really exciting. Absolutely. So you were you're a fourth Aussie, Riley Cox in third, I believe, and I've got the results up here, so I'm skimming through it. Uh, Ed Goddard, yeah. and then Liam Adams with, of course, uh, his his very fast time as well, and uh, just a very Fine. impressive day in general. Um, fifth fastest Australian time all time for a male on Australian soil, that is, and third place uh, overall. So astonishing to see that for the men's side anyway. Yeah, it was actually pretty cool just to be a part of it. Like I'm sure Jordy would have given you this um, old rap last week, but even being from Brizzy, like I'm not a local on the coast, but um, running for a Gold Coast-based group was awesome to have so much support out there. And in the grand scheme of the race, like what was I, like 10 minutes behind the winner and it still felt like we were – the lead pack when we came through like you still had that feel of and you know the adrenaline and the excitement of it all um which you don't get or i can't think of many races that you know you get that so that was really really special yeah and uh Jag- jenna gregson uh apologies uh 228 on her debut marathon too for the women's side and then also a course record by japan runner naoki koyama i think is the pronunciation Additionally, a half marathon course record, no North American record, sorry, for Kira D'Amato. And uh, what else did I have here? Uh, Lisa Waitman breaking her own record 11 years ago. She got it. And this time around, 32.09 in the 10K. And I believe you have run that 10K there as well. It's a great race. Yeah, fast one when the weather's right and the conditions are right and you get the paces and everything right, like the everything just aligned this year for the weekend, which was awesome to see because obviously it's been a few years since we've, um, I know we've had, we had last year, but, you know, I still feel like we've been deprived during those COVID years. So it's really awesome to have a proper international field back. Um, And that's no discredit to anything about last year, but, you know, last year um, had a smaller elite field in most of the races. So it was really cool that um, the race organizers were able to go that next gear again and, um, even the athletes provide with the results. So it made it a very cool spectacle. Yeah, particularly Japanese contingent. There was five ahead of yourself, but um, they were barely there last year in the sort of top 20 to 30 runners anyway, and a few Kenyans as always too, which is which is fantastic. But let's get to you, Tim, because um, firstly, this uh, episode is about you, but uh, I, I generally just talk about recent events to start with in these interviews but let's spend some time Wait. to get into your run so it was a 217 you were 14th yourself and the fourth aussie like we mentioned how was your lead up um both a few months out even earlier and then also the the week in and day off and i know again we spoke off air about you featuring on inside running podcast so for those who listen on there they may have got a taste and i think it was on the uh, patreon section they may have heard about your yep. story in the leading but um, maybe there's several runners almost a lot of them who've heard nothing about your preparation there but um i guess the the launceston half was a part of that too in uh the proceedings to you in your very first marathon yeah absolutely so i'll probably give you a rundown let's just say i'll start from january because um last time i guess i featured on this podcast i think i mentioned us going to the world cup so that was back in december and i kind of had a bit of time off running um just sorting knee beside us and stuff but nonetheless i was back into kind of regulated running training in january um first race that i picked for myself this year was that hobart half marathon i'm trying to really rack, rack the brain now i reckon that was april first week of april so 
it was two weeks after that, so mid-April, that I committed to Gold Coast Marathon. Um, Jordan had committed about two weeks before me, so it was nice that we pretty much were training partners. Um, I'd, I'd kind of looked into a little bit of marathon prep and what people had done. Um, I had Louis prep from last year, so yeah. I was very lucky in the sense that I had um, – little bit of scaffolding into not necessarily what works because it's all individual, but you know, what can kind of put you in a ballpark position. So I did copy a lot of that off Louise and um, Jacko did give me pretty similar sessions. Um, prep wise, I was very lucky. I dedicated a lot of time and effort to it though. So I didn't have any niggles. I was seeing a physio once a week running. I think I did four to five weeks. It's at 200 plus back to back. That's kilometers. Um, so I'll take you through a usual week as well. So Monday was usually just a 70 minute jog, 70 to 80 minutes. My Tuesdays were a shorter, faster fartlek type workout. So still be trying to uh, build my aerobic capacity, but you want to also go a little bit anaerobic in your efforts um, and make sure you're still touching that zone because I did notice in marathon training, like I know it is predominantly an aerobic event or it is an aerobic event. You just get, you just feel so slow um, constantly doing that stuff. So I like my Tuesdays to try and, I don't know, get a little bit toey. Um, Wednesdays, pretty crazy. This was like my, what used to be my Friday. So I'd just do 15Ks, so as I'd like, go to the physio because um, my marathon session was a Thursday and they were pretty awful. Like, I need to get better at them. They're upwards of like 25 to 30K volume um, of reps. So some weeks I did a 3 by 10 k with 1K jog. I did, trying to think, maybe an 8 by 2 k at one point. Um, what's another one? 5 by 5 Just, yeah. It was getting up close to 30K, similar to race pace. Um, so I was usually running anywhere between 3.14s and 3.17s for the average for most of those workouts. Um, yeah, Friday, jog recovery. Saturday, jog recovery. Sunday would be a, I think, two-and-a-half-hour long run, but I'd do like a 40-minute um, threshold or build during that. So that would usually round out to about a 35K run. One week I did a 42K run in there. So change from week to week, but point being the bulk of the five, four to five weeks were about 200 plus every other week. It was probably 170, 180. Oh, it's remarkable. And how, how did you work out your marathon pace? Like, And did that change at all since, uh, you know, end of last year or January, like you spoke about this year, being that 314 to 317 range? You've, you've run a few uh, half marathons. You, you probably know how many, but surely the, the experience through the halves had given you an accurate guide. And was there anything generic, like adding a certain amount of seconds to a pace that anyone told you, or was it more sort of experimenting in training or what runners had done before you in similar experience, you know, similar backgrounds rather of PBs, like you spoke about uh, Louis McAfee? Yeah, yeah. So all the, the first thing I'll touch on is a lot of those formulas that are out there use them and they should say i should be running a lot quicker than what i am firstly from my half pbs um the way i felt in training um like trying to find this pace because it's also like you don't know what you're meant to feel like so and i was speaking to andy buchanan i think it was andy who was telling me this you don't really know till you run your first one um because you're kind of thinking 
like by the end of the first build, you're thinking you've found your pace, but at the end of the day, you're like, you're not basing your pace off anything. Like it, it's still a guess because you haven't run your first marathon. Um, mine in training, um, so I sometimes not look at the watch and just run to my true, what I perceive this marathon effort thing to feel like. I was getting 314s. Sometimes I was creeping down towards 310s and 312s. Jack and I decided together to approach the marathon at 312s. It didn't work out that way on the day, but that's the pace that we thought, yeah, I was capable of running. Yeah, right. Did anyone like Jacko to talk to you about the way that it should feel? Like it's uh, you, you certainly your breathing rate and heart rate should be controllable, but it's a it's a firm pace. But it must have felt. I said this to Jordo last week. It must have felt initially very very easy in a way compared to to running those shorter events. You haven't sort of pushed the eight hundred and fifteen hundred and three k much uh, before, but even just running that pace must have felt awkwardly too comfortable at times. Yeah, yeah, I need to get better at it as well. Um, I do, I'm quite a bouncy runner, so I think I waste a lot of energy um, in vertical oscillation, which, you know, I'll get better at with the marathon, especially, and try and become more efficient. In the first K, like, I nearly went up with the 211 group, knowing I wasn't meant to, um, that that wasn't my instructions, and Louis was on the, Louis McAfee was on the bike beside me and gave me a little rev, you know, come on, pull your head in. So that, that was nice and kind, and I'm glad I didn't go with it. Um, cause yeah, initially it does feel quite slow and I know it would have taken its toll eventually. There's no way I was to 11 shape. Um, but it, I did find it tough cause I would have loved a 215 group. I think that would have been, um, yeah, a good challenge, but the good thing is I got plenty more marathons to run plenty more time. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's definitely going to be a part of you that knows you could probably run quicker, but it's that unknown, isn't it? That 30 to 35 K mark where the body just shuts down but hypothetically speaking a lot of runners could potentially run quicker but it is the first and uh certainly that should come down over the years but let's talk about the week leading into and how that taper looked and the morning of was it like was that all smooth running for you or any complications that had uh, arisen in those sort of few days up leading up um i was pretty lucky had a pretty regular taper week um so like the monday i had a day off um if anything, with this taper week, it was actually lighter than usual. And I felt, I didn't feel stale, but it just felt weird. I didn't feel like a runner anymore. So I think I ran 50K on the whole week. Um, did a small session, I think Wednesday, jogged Thursday, had Friday off, didn't get into the race hotel till late Friday night, which, uh, yeah, traffic kind of mucked me around a bit. I did get a big night's sleep and then just a little jog on Saturday. So it was 50K for the week, one session. Um, yeah, very, very weird feeling. Like even for the halves, I'll usually roll 100 to 110 for the week of a oh, yeah. half. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I know and- that's even on the small side for some runners. Like it's very personal preference. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Hey, where were you traveling from to get there? You mentioned some tr- some troubles. Yeah, I was only going from Ascot in Brisbane. So yeah. I left, I finished work at 2. Yeah. I left at 2.15 in the car. Uh, it was three hours to get to uh, Broadbeach. Yeah, yeah, no, I was similar. I was there for the half. Definitely awful traffic. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, that would have been the um, that Friday night if you went down. Um, I think it was start of our school holidays as well. I could be wrong, but it was like this triple whammy. I think there was a little accident on the north side, uh, Friday Arvo traffic, um, 
school holidays and then Gold Coast Marathon weekend. Yeah, so, I think it was halfway yeah. through. Shock and drive. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. Uh, let, it might have been halfway. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> let's get the race itself, actually, because uh, I, I've seen you at the 25K mark, as I mentioned earlier, and that's a, a fair way through the race. Um, h- how did you feel initially? You know, some, some runners talk about the pace being very, very comfortable to start with, namely because there's adrenaline pumping through them. There's lots of runners around them. Um, it should generally because, you know, it's not the end of the race. But some also talk about uh, both recreational and professional runners, uh, elite runners anyway, that it, it can feel like feel uh, quite, quite bad in that first 5 or 10K. Like how did you sort of fare in the first half? And then how did it go when it really got tough in that 30 to 35 mark of the race, Tim? Yeah, good. Um, so I was I was preparing for the first ten to be almost the hardest of the race because I I don't know I was just ready. I knew thirty five was going to feel bad, but all the training I've done, like the thirty plus kilometer workouts, I found the first ten was just the worst because it's what you're speaking about. You're like you're not jogging, so yes, the pace should feel easy, and we almost get into this mental space where we think. Um, marathon pace is just going to feel like a jog and your brain tells you oh i've got to do this for 42 more k and all of a sudden it's you actually feel like you're working hard on what you should be um thankfully i actually didn't feel like that on race day so my first 10 came relatively straightforward um relatively easy um i didn't start getting really any like issues or problems through to like 20 and once again it's I probably gave them too much respect, these issues, because they were just like minor things like my tibialis anterior or the muscle on the front of your shin, mm. just like minor cramp, which I'd never felt before on like the front of my shin. Because So what that felt like was the your foot just really wanted to dorsiflex. Um, I'll try and give an image here. Like, yeah. Um, so you're trying to strike the ground, but your foot's already in a flex position. Um, so I was trying to massage my shin while I ran, that was somewhat effective. I think my next bottle got rid of that, um, but I probably did give away a bit of time. And then come 35K or the 30, 30 to 35 point that you mentioned, I thought I fought pretty well for my first one. Um, I was in a pretty negative headspace in hindsight, so I think there's big room for improvement there. Um, maybe I think having a or just being closer to the goal that I set myself, I might be – if I give myself more of a fight, like if I feel like I'm fighting for something because I probably lost a bit of that, um, I was just so far off kind of at 2.15 that I wanted by that point. And then it, you know, starts getting pretty hard like it should. So um, I did well to fight. I stayed with Riley when he made his move um, or kept, when I say stayed with, I always kept that gap within 10 seconds um, or about 40 metres. So we always had contact, always had someone to look at and keep myself honest. And as he picked up the pace, I managed to do the same thing and he pulled me home. So I fared pretty well, I reckon. Definitely room for improvement mentally um, and just being in a more positive headspace. I thought I battled well, but there was just an element of maybe lack of adrenaline, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Just needed something to chase a bit more in terms of like a, a goal or set a goal that was maybe a bit more achievable for my first one. Yeah, and Riley Cox was only nine seconds uh, ahead of you 
to finish. So was the plan like just to stick with him and hold on from the start? Were you running your own race? Were you tracking your pace uh, through your watch at all or the the K markers? How, how, how did you track it through to ensure that you'd, you'd be in the right spot at the right time or, or was it simply feel? Um, yeah, I just went to my game plan that Jacko told me was 312s for uh, 42k like doesn't matter if no one's there so i got through so that's 215 pace for everyone at home i think it's like 215 on the nose so yeah i did my 312s and i at the start and yeah just i was by myself by three and a half 4k and riley cox and his group were literally 20 to 30 meters behind me so kieran perkins jacob cox riley cox um maybe a Japanese bloke, and I apologise to anyone if I've left their name out there. But there was a good group right behind me, point being. So um, that was a headwind for the first 15K. So I made the decision to, you know, let myself get grouped up. Um, Wasn't worth spending the extra energy on the front, um, and I knew I'd be more efficient. Definitely my first marathon. Like, had that been a half, I don't make those conservative decisions. Like, if you give me a 20 middle lead, have fun getting it back. Like, that's my kind of mentality. Uh, wasn't running the marathon like that. So it was good. Had a group in the end, but um, I did feel as if I was kind of always wanting to run a little bit quicker. Um, I think Riley felt the same. You could see he was a bit toey as well. Um, and then come 25K, it kind of turned into me and Riley with a bit more energy trying to move the thing along a bit. But we'd, we'd just given away too much time in that first half. I think we were 108, 30 through halfway, which is uh, – a whole minute off that goal pace that Jacko wanted me running. So I just gave away way too much time. Yeah, but you look at your splits here. So if we trust uh, Strava anyway, we split. So it's yeah, 390. Yeah, I was going to say. The slowest. Um, yeah, it's yeah. never perfect. Strava's a bit off. Yeah. So you, there's about 300 metres in there on the Strava times where you've got to account for. So however many, I'm just trying to think, it's probably four seconds a K on every single K or three seconds. So, yeah, they're close. I, I agree with you. They're definitely close. Um, but I'm definitely a touch on the slow side to 312s. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, you, you know, <laughs> so many runners for years, you know, recreational runners too, which just try to simply, well, for starters, run a marathon. And um, secondly, to run consistently and enjoy it, like to, yeah. to blow, to blow yeah. up at 30, 35K, you'd probably be in a, a pretty poor mental space yeah. if, uh, if you're being pretty harsh on yourself now. And I, and I heard um, Brady Trailfall on the Inside Running Podcast, most recent episode, talk about that conversation with you. And and he's been on here before as a guest too, that you weren't as happy as you could have been, but yet you are still so young. And uh, it, it's, it's a thing that I think you probably agree with over time. You keep putting back-to-back uh, marathon blocks in it's going to come with time and now with uh you know if louis does return to the marathon you've now got louis yourself and Jordan, yeah. three three mates three local brisbane gold coast queensland guys uh heading in a very similar trajectory yeah and it, it is quite exciting as well i um i do agree and jacko made the good point to me as well like even though um jordo um definitely uh, reaped the rewards for his i think louis felt somewhat satisfied he was probably in a bit better shape than what he ran um but jacko said for our first marathon like even if you let's say it's a dnf um 
or you just don't finish with the time what you want. You, you've still done the work. You're going to get all the reward at some point. Let's hope it's a second marathon or the third. Um, but the reality is down the track, the more you do, probably just like let's just think probability, it's going to pay off at one date. So it's not work that's lost. The training doesn't go anywhere. The experience doesn't go anywhere. It just builds up. So at one point you're going to get paid out. So I just got to keep playing the game. Yeah, and you look at guys now, well, for the last few years anyway, well, I was thinking of Liam Adams. He's been doing the marathon for a, a number of years, but I mean also training, very specifically training for the marathon yeah. and running a few halves. And Brett Robinson is the other guy I'm thinking of who are doing similar things. So do you think you're going to turn into a guy like that in the very, very near future, in the next year or so? Do you think that's longer down the track where you're simply training specifically for those uh, well, specifically for the marathon as opposed to ticking off, you know, fives, tens, even a track race or a half? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely think I'm transitioning that way. Um, not in the immediate future. Like I definitely will be doing less track racing, I think, and just the way the whole points system to qualify for events is like you need to make the most of the full calendar year, which means when our um, track season's on, I'll need to be on the road. Um, in terms of transitioning to the marathon, yeah, I, d- I know there's still just like so much time. Um, and where I'm at with the half, it's not yet like world class. And to kind of be good at the marathon, um, everyone can run quick in the half. Um, so I still think I got time and work, plenty of work to go there before I can fully focus on the marathon. Um, yeah, so I'll still probably juggle both for a bit and keep my marathon, uh, let's say, objectives based around learning and experience um, for the time being. So it, I will have time goals, but it'll be as long as I'm picking up valuable information, I'm still going forward and the half I'll pretty much be trying to grind the clock at some fast races for the next few years. Yeah, fantastic. And it's probably a good segue into the PBs because the half marathon PB uh, well, that was this year at Lonnie, 63-17. And um, it's a fantastic time. But like you said, it's probably that that, that sort of two minutes, 61. It's not many Aussies at 60. Brett Robinson's under uh, 60. Then you get uh, all the African runners running 59s, 58s, 57s, whatever it may be, underneath uh, an hour. Where, where do you think that the ceiling is there in the half? Do you think you can get as close to an hour? As you, as you can in the next few years? Is that achievable? I probably shouldn't have this mentality. I don't think I'll run an hour for a half marathon. That is absolutely flying. Um, hope I do. But, yeah, I'd like to think I can uh, hopefully run low 62 in the near future. And obviously when I say that, it's with a touch of salt. might be more, um, you know, confident than uh you know what what my ability is but there's there's a lot of factors it does take to do that so it's more than just being in the right shape like to get your absolute most out of yourself or like brett's 59 57 for example like not only was brett um in shape to race a national record there's um you know fast races fast paces um climate's good um i actually don't know the rest off the top of my head brett might have had a pacing group but he'll tell you himself you do need a lot of things to go right. So um, hopefully in the near future, I can have my version of that race, my PB race in good conditions and try and get that a bit closer to hopefully low 62. 
Yeah, speaking of any uh, any times close to an hour, there's a 61.43 here with a asterisk next to it, Roma, Italy, last year. So what was that about? Is that uh, not certified? Yeah, so it sure. doesn't satisfy. No, it's, um, it's a certified event and course. Um, so the distance, you know, is certified. But so there's right. a rule with World Athletics, um, point, the start line and the finish line have to be within 50% distance of the race. So it's a 21.1-kilometre race. Um, it was a point A to B, like city to bay. So you start in the city and race out to the water. Um, so that, therefore, exceeds 10.5K. So you can still get points, but you can't break records. Um, I think it is slightly downhill. You can even look at all Stravas. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I did believe that I looked at the race website and it did satisfy the gradient thing. Or they do minus it, there's a slight points change on it. So you do lose a certain amount of points per kilometer. Um, but anyway, nonetheless, the main ruling is you can't break national records um, on that course or those courses, but you can still qualify for other events or use the point score. Yeah. Yes. Hence the asterisk on the time. <laughs> still a good time. It must give you some uh, some hope to decrease that time over the years and, and i'm sure it will yeah, um, yeah now let's get into the shorter events because you know as the shorter we go it seems that yeah you're you're showing here that you're a stronger runner in the longer distances and the road so the road 10k is 29 14 i know you did a 28 45 from memory when you won the bridge to brisbane in 2021 but like most runners know that is a tad short for whatever reason and you might know the reason better yeah. than i and then the 5k is 14 11 which must be the noosa bolt uh, two years ago oh, i believe so yes yeah. yeah i was pretty happy with that 5k bolt that year it was um i'm just saying it did feel like a COVID year i don't you know that kind of blends all together now but we did have the adelaide boys up we had the victorian boys up um a few guys from new south wales so it was probably the first year we had noosa back um but in terms of where my running was at, I was still grinding a lot of the short stuff. Um, and the way I executed that race was like to the best of my ability that day. So even those times and stuff, like I know that's nothing too competitive, but I'm very proud of that race with the way I executed my my day. Yeah, for those who don't know, in the afternoon around 3 o'clock, close to 30 degree temperatures with uh, is it seven turns in it, a uh, very slight like hill. That. yeah. <laughs> Narrow, you know, narrow roads um, and, and to turn around corners in big crowds of runners around you too. It's a, it's a great time. So, uh, and that, that must bring that confidence you mentioned earlier about focusing on the road and potentially being strong on the roads. But you, I mean, your 10K or 10,000, as we call it on the track is 28.59, which must've been great to get under the 29 minute barrier Cusack two years ago. Yeah, that was actually like, I wish – so the clock was slightly off that day. Like I thought I was safer than what I was and it was Tom O'Shaughnessy who came up to me and he's like, I don't think you broke 29 because even on the line that day I did um, a mini celebration more just so for dipping under 29. So you could see it the whole way down the straight. I was sprinting, looking at the clock, head down, back up at the clock, dipped on the line for absolutely no reason apart to try and break 29. And the visual representation of the time to me appeared as if I'd done it by at least a second so i think i threw a finger in the air like yeah you know got my time um and then apparently there was a bit of it like like there usually is there's a bit of a discrepancy in um the visual feedback to what the actual real time is 
Um, but thankfully, it was still under 29 minutes. Not that it makes a big difference, but it's always nice to be under the minute barrier. Yeah, 7.5, so uh, 0.25 of a uh, second in there. 13.49 too for the 5,000 uh, in Adelaide. And that's that's generally a pretty fast race from memory, isn't it, on a yearly basis? Or was that yeah, something different they, um, it was, last year? It was paced pretty well, that Adelaide race. So that was the Adelaide Track Classic um, a few years back now, probably a year and a half, I think. Um, that night of for running, I even said to Isaac Hayne right before I raced, and he was in the same race. I said, I don't think I've ever ran in conditions this good. It was summer, but it was, oh, I'm going to say 12 or 13 degrees. But when you come from the Queensland heat, um, you know, it felt freezing. Like we were cold. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, we'd been training in the Queensland heat. So just like you've got that increased blood plasma, you feel fit, you're coming to the cooler climate, no wind, paced race. Um, there was a whole lead group ahead of me, so that definitely helps for me on the track um, when there's plenty of guys ahead of me and I'm just making up the numbers and you're still running that time. I was quite happy to do that. Hey, where'd you place in that race and who, who'd won it that year? Or last I year? got smacked. I believe... Oh, am I, no, Jude was just ahead of me, so it wasn't Jude. I know Jack Bruce ran rally would have been 13.38. Joel Tobin White wasn't too far off that. Could it have been James Hansen? Oh, no, I'm going to throw Sam McEntee in there. He was running very well. Might have to look that one up. Yeah, it rings a bell. And I found 12th, actually, under when you go to you go. results on uh, World I got, Athletics. Yeah, I got 12th, so 11 blokes ahead of me. That was a, I think that was our fastest race um, on Australian soil for that season. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, it rings a bell at being... Um, yeah, flying. I yeah, I got hammered. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was nowhere in that race to be seen. I wasn't even with the lead group. Oh, it was. I think um, Riley Cox won ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it made me think of um, Kai Robinson actually at the time because, as as great as the depth was that um, evening, I think the winner was close to 13, 20, or 25, maybe. And um, I was thinking at that time, he, he would have won that race if he was in it as well at the time around about 13 20 himself i think it might have even been low 13 30s or mid 13 30s um yeah yeah i think at that point or that exact day kai had run faster in the us he did run yeah. i remember i was sitting in the hotel he ran his first 13 20 something yeah 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 and then the uh well, i'll go back to the pv section here one second i'm pretty sure if i go 3k down you probably want me to to not read them out, but they're still good times. But eight twenty nine. I love 3K. my fifteen hundred. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, yeah. It's four years ago the three, and then fifteen. That's the same as Jordo, isn't it? Three four nine, twenty twenty. Oh, surely he's run quicker. He might even have me on the seconds. I don't know, but yeah, that fifteen hundred, I'm very happy with. There is no way I'm ever beating that time ever again. <laughs> why i love uh podcasting because uh the story looking at a list of uh times doesn't always come out and present itself until you talk to the person because you're very impressed with yourself with that 1500 349 yep absolutely so that was um yeah as i was mentioning before the uq 1500 classic so um a mm. little bit of backstory to that so uh Basically, COVID and lack of racing and travel meant like in track season, I had to race track. And if there was a 1500 race on the weekend, I'm either doing that or sitting on my bum doing nothing. So, yeah, it was a good chance. Jacko just um, 
you know, encouraged me to get in as many races and out of my comfort zone as much as possible. So I actually did train about four weeks specifically, like a 1,500-meter runner for that race, um, yeah. and I really enjoyed it. I felt faster than ever before. Um, and then I jumped into one race and executed pretty well. Um, and the way the race played out was perfect for me. Like there were plenty of guys in there. Like I think Adam Fogg and Cal Davies at the time of low 340 runners. Um, Jack Bruce was in there too. Um, but the way it played out was like a 345 race and I was just trying to break 350. So it was just perfectly set up for three laps for me to just sit there and hang on for dear life um, before those guys got running. So, yeah. And what are the intentions with the 15 and, say, 3K, do you think? Will you have a crack at them again? Uh, 15, like, no. Um, 3K, probably not. Like, I, I've closed road races in 8.35, so i got yeah. no problem <laughs> no, knowing that I can beat that time, yeah. but I don't get any gratification or anything personally from uh, doing it. So, it's not sitting too high on my own bucket list of things to do is beating my 3K time. And I'm pretty chuffed with my 5K. I don't think it's where my strengths lie. It doesn't mean I'm neglected in the future. Uh, but if there's other opportunities on the road at the same time, I'll always go on the road. Let's say hypothetically you don't train to those events at all and never do them again, just training as a half marathoner, marathoner. Do you think they would drop though from where they are, especially the 15 and 3K? I don't know about the 15, the 3K should. Um, basically, the more of an aerobic element involved, I believe, the more that it would drop. So my 3K, like, it should keep dropping, not by much, because um, there is a huge element of, like, you know, speed and anaerobic in there too. But predominantly, if you can raise your ceiling or get a bigger aerobic base, it's only going to help you more. Um, I try to describe it like baking a cake, like the icing and cherry on top mm. is that stuff you do in the last month. But if you don't build the cake right, cake's going to suck anyway, even if it looks pretty. Yeah. So if you were to hypothetically run a race right now in Queensland or Australia, perfect conditions, uh, good race, nice little pack in a 3K, what would you go? Would you go close to breaking eight minutes? Definitely low weight, surely. No. Oh, no. I actually seriously don't think I can run quicker than 8.15. I think eight, yeah. if I was to run 8.15, I think I'd be flying and I'd be chuffed. Like it, it, Similar to how I talk about my 15, my 5K, if I were to run 8.15, um, 8.15 to 8.10, I think, is probably my absolute true maximum. Yeah, it's funny. Hey, like we're talking about Jude Thomas earlier and he broke uh, at the time, I think. I think it's been broken now by Kai Robinson, maybe, or someone else. The under 20 3K record at about 750 a few years back. And now he's running yeah. like 336 or 7, I think I saw recently, if I'm correct, for the 1500, that is. Yeah, I could be wrong. I don't know Jude's PB time off the top of my head, but regardless if he's run it now or he's going to, I don't think anyone can debate that, yeah, he's. He's either currently that or he's about to be quicker than that anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's, let's get to you and a bit about you. Normally, this is a higher up or earlier in the interview itself to form some context, but we've learned a lot about you anyway through your story about Cold Coast. But just talk to us about, um, you alluded to age before, where you're living. We mentioned a little bit, I guess, too, but probably more so about things at the moment. And uh, you mentioned Gold Coast, but what about yourself, interests, hobbies, and then also how you got into running? back in the day, how it started, schools you went to, and then when Gold Coast came into play post-school or even during, I'm not sure. 
Yeah, yeah, sweet. So um, football or soccer has always been like my main sport until um, I was like 14. So I always wanted to be a pro football player, pro soccer player, probably like every other kid around the world. Um, so yeah, I was just grinding away with the soccer ball, um, but I could always naturally run. So I played centre midfield. I was the smallest kid on the field, but I was probably just good at what I did, not necessarily because of football, but um, I could just run naturally. Um, so I was good at soccer because everyone else got tired. So it was about year five in the, when the school system and stuff kind of kicks in. So I went to Kedron Primary um, and Kedron High School. Um, so I was in City District, which was a part of Met North within, yeah, Queensland School of Sport. So once I got the running opportunities through the school system to kind of work my way through, um, I was always able to get to the state championships with um, not a whole heap of running training. Um, so in late primary school, early secondary school, um, I started like kind of juggling it with soccer and eventually at 14, which is year nine, I believe I made the like the switch. Like if I stopped playing soccer, I think it's 16, but in my head I'd made the switch that I was now a runner, not a soccer player. Um, what else is there, Ollie? Let me think. Oh, let's go through to now and the Gold Coast. Yeah. So the Gold Coast kind of came about um, – to see first year uni. So I started off, graduated high school, started off engineering at UQ, um, got picked on the world uni cross country team to go to St. Gallen in Switzerland. Um, and Louis McAfee was on that team and that's where I met Louis. So he was training at the time down the Gold Coast, maybe with Benita Willis and was just going across to Jacko. I'm not too sure on where it was at, but point being, he convinced me to, um, come down and train at the coast with uh, a good bunch of guys at the time that have probably stopped running now or um, just, yeah, pursuing other things, move away, you know, life gets busy. So, yeah, at the time it was definitely my best move um, being 18, uh, but I wasn't ready to move out of home and, you know, I still had uni here, didn't want to commute, so I just decided that I was just going to drive down two or three days a week in the early mornings. Um probably skipping forward a little bit to now. So I did drop engineering. Um, wasn't for me, didn't enjoy it. Um, moved straight across, um, still at uni, but over to QT doing exercise physiology. So I've since graduated that now in my first year working as an exercise physiologist in a private practice. Um, that's what I do day-to-day life. I still sadly don't get down the coast too much. I got down there yesterday um, to go see Jacko and um, – trained with the guys, um, did the Gold Coast Suns time trial, or I didn't, but the rest of the other group, um, we kind of work with them and do their 2K time trials and try and pace them along a little bit. So this was the women's, um, and then the men's usually do theirs um, at the start of the season. So probably try and get down there once every six weeks, touch base with Jacko, but apart from that, I'm probably solo in Brisbane. Yeah, I yeah, see so you're commonly on the Kedron Brook, so you're based around those areas. Yeah. Uh, any other areas that you run around on grass, gravel, not much of it around Brisbane, but um, what do you go to areas? Um, I'm lazy. I love my sleep, so I run on the Kedron Brook because it's close to home, so I'm usually cutting it too fine even if I do plan to run somewhere. I'll screw up and then just have to go from home. Um, I do train at UQ a little bit, but I try and – avoid it 
as much as I can to save shoes, like because that gravel trail just eats my shoes. Um, and also, I don't. I find it gets quite monotonous if I warm up on that trail. So I try and limit it to once a week, um, unless I'm on the track, which I tend not to be. Um, Bunyaville was there on Friday. Have you run at Bunyaville before, Ollie? Uh, once or twice, terribly hilly. But I mean, if you don't care about pace, it's all right. Yeah. So I, every now and then I like going through there. I grew up like kind of running every, uh, there every Friday with my first running coach. Um, so yeah, I know. I go back there when I can and it's hard. It's good, hard running. Um, so that's something. Yeah. March and Park, Chermside as well. Just northern suburbs of Brisbane. I tend to kind of uh, locate myself around and if I get a free Sunday to meet up with people for a long run, I'm happier to drive a bit further. Might do a river loop, might go to Daisy Hill, but I haven't done that for a while. For sure. And hey, and mate, uh, America, was that ever on the mind as a more junior runner? Little bit, but I'd say not really as a junior. Like I was uh, 19, 20, oh, sorry, when I use the term junior, I mean the, sorry, the age category junior. Um yeah, it was a little bit, but I never got any offers um, that were um, good enough to me, like drop everything and drop my uni. I was really quite like not open to change, like in hindsight. So I got offers, um, but I wasn't probably prepared in my own mind to yeah, make that change. Um, in saying that, I also wasn't running well enough to get get offers that were um probably like yeah what you you know drop what you're doing here take a risk and go over there pursue some um better competition get an education as well and have that full experience like i just wasn't at that ability with my running so i wasn't receiving offers to do that like it goes both ways i think at the time um I think it was even just before my under 20 silver at national cross. Like I think my PB is like 845, 3k, 1445 K. I think could be very wrong, but um, pretty. Yeah. Even now, nowadays it's worse. The juniors are incredibly talented and very, very fast, but that yeah, isn't quite good enough to um, get much of a look in, in the NCAA. Yeah, and it'd be great to see someone like yourself who hasn't gone over to America, you know, start to, well, you already have started to thrive, but to, to, to continue to progress when we've seen so many uh, athletes, uh, particularly Queensland, when uh, we compare to areas down in Melbourne, even Canberra now, pretty strong a running scene where we've got that expertise. Like, are you, are you going to back, um, you know, the Brisbane and Gold Coast support that you have now in the next few years? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going anywhere, which is pretty cool, pretty exciting. And like you mentioned before, like where my goals kind of align for the near future with the distance events, um, so do Louis and Jordo. They've had that recent success. I think Jordo's hungry and um, I know Louis definitely is. They've both kind of mentioned to me they've got – they're not confirmed plans, but they've got very exciting things brewing in the next six months within the marathon, which is very cool because I wasn't sure what their next moves would be. And Louis still kind of on the back of end of his rehab from Gold Coast last year. So he's a rocky run. But point being, with the three of us could all be running um, a marathon late in the year, which would be an awesome build. And we haven't had that training uh, feel with the three of us all at once for a very long time. Exciting. Any clues there? Yeah, um, I'm fingers crossed I'll be running Kobe in November. 
hopefully. Um, that's a sister race to the Gold Coast Marathon. So the first Queenslander across the line, um, I believe. I haven't received any information about this, so I could be wrong. But um, according to them, that's the prize for first male and female um, that's from Queensland across the line. That's the prize. Um, Louis and Jordo, I won't dob them in just yet because I know they're not entered or it's confirmed, but it is Europe. It is a marathon um, late in the year. So you can put two and two together basically. But, yeah, very exciting. That's great. So you definitely think there's merit to, you know, training with really close mates and uh, almost, you know, Jacko has been around your life for a number of years versus uh, being over in America where there's just so much depth uh, and the expertise we know about in the coaching ranks too. Is that, uh, you know, you're really confident in those rounds you like I mentioned to continue your progression, particularly towards the marathon, you know, Jacko's experienced himself, but is there anyone else uh, going to be by your side to step this through or has been uh, the marathon itself? Um, I haven't really thought about that too much yet, probably just because I was trying to get through uh, my first one. But the the good thing is as well, like I'm not a sit back and let things take their path kind of thing, uh, kind of athlete. Like I do kind of keep my foot on the throttle and um, on Jacko a little bit, you know, like if I, I do hand him like, oh, you know, why why do we do this? Why do we do that? How, what do you think about this? Like I do probe him with quests questions so like um we both grow together we get experiences together so he finds another level um as a coach is kind of i'm trying to find another level as an athlete and he's got plenty of experience to kind of um draw on um and we're kind of learning this whole marathon thing together but the good thing is we've got three of us doing it at the same time yeah, for sure. Hey, before I get into the training coming up in the next sort of six months to a year and what that's going to look like to cater for these events, uh, nutrition-wise, so I want to hear about Gold Coast, what you took uh, during the marathon itself, and uh, anything within the half marathons too. You're only running just over an hour out there. We've got listeners here that would run for an hour and a half, two hours plus for a half marathon. So do you take a gel, and what do you take in a half, and then what did you have in the Gold Coast, Nara? Cool. So, yeah, in a half, um, probably have nothing. Um, what I've recently started doing, so at Launceston, um, I had a gel at 12K. Um, it wasn't like a gel where I was like, I must have this gel. I'm going to have this gel. I just ran with it on me, A, to get used to running with stuff in my pockets um, for Gold Coast coming up three weeks later. And B, the choice was there that, you know, if I felt comfortable enough, try taking it, you know, like I knew I'd have to at Gold Coast. So that was a good learning experience. Um, I don't know what I'll do going forward, but if I have the luxury to do so, I'll probably always carry one um, and consider, yeah, consider taking it. That's something I'm going to try um, going forward. And I've kind of learned a bit now, like if I can take something on at 12K, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, so that's me in the half. The full marathon this is where it gets real funky, obviously. Um, brand new. So I did see Ali Disher at um, Q Sports. Uh, she's over at the Gala, great dietitian. So she did up this whole big PDF for me, like three or four pages from three days out through to the start of the race and then my whole race plan. So she fully sorted me out. Um, I was using the Science and Sport drink mixes every five kilometres. So that's 80 grams of carbs an hour. Um, I'm just trying to think. And I was splitting them up. 
I did one packet every three and a bit bottles. So I was pretty much working at 80 to 90 grams of carbs per hour, um, just solely on drink mix um, through till 30K. Um, 32 and a half, I had a Morton gel. 35, I stayed on my drink mix. 37 and a half, another gel. 40, like 200 ml of vanilla Coke. So, like, I was really quite scared about bonking. Um, and looking back on it, I just had so much stuff. Like, I spoke to Ed. Like, Ed, Ed's bottles didn't rock up. I think he had three three drinks. Like, he had some bottles rock up, but far from what he was meant to have. Um, and there's lots of other runners, you know, like, um, that just didn't have bottles. You drop bottles, whatever stuff happens. So, I definitely planned a very conservative approach and just had so much stuff, and I was just scared of bonking. So, I consumed all of it, and yeah. Yes, sorry. Do you mean do you mean scared of bonking in the sense you've had too much sugar, or scared of not having enough out there? No. Yeah, I was so scared the whole time because I've like um, running this thing that this beast that I've never run before and hurt, seen. Like yeah. I've seen Callum Hawkins at Gold Coast. You know, we've all seen and heard our mate down the road and guy who works at local physio charging a four hour marathon who passed out. Like we've all got those stories. Um, so I was just like really respecting the event. Never knew how I was going to feel till I got there. So to me, like I've got these choices. It's like there's stuff on the side of the road there that I've planned to be there. How do I feel now? Can I take it? Yes or no. It wasn't like, do I need it? Yes or no. It was like, are you able to get this on board? And my gut felt fine. So I'd take as much as I could because that, that was my approach for this first one. And I ended up just taking everything and the gut held up which is kind of amazing. I think it was like 1.4 litres of drink mix, two gels and some Coke. Yeah, and we spoke about earlier about uh, your first marathon or marathoners in general getting it wrong. Like yeah. this, this is yeah. the part that we got right on the very first marathon. The nutrition was done, looking back in hindsight, yes. yeah. pretty yeah. pretty well. Yeah, so, uh, yeah uh, I was and- scared. Yeah. <laughs> what about long runs? Surely in long runs you're running pretty far and, and fueling yourself in similar ways? Um, and that's the thing I learned about this marathon build, which is really good. Cause I never like two hours, I just never take anything. Um, and you know, you do feel a bit bonky sometimes depending on, you know, what your training week's like, what your Saturday night's like, what you eat the day before. And I just never take anything. And during the course of this marathon build kind of really taught me a lot about nutrition and being smarter about it. Um, and I learned just how much better you feel like, I was able to run two and a half hours, no issues with mm. pretty much little nutrition. I'd have more than what I needed. Like I always had a bottle there. Um, so yeah, for these 12 weeks or whatever that I was going into Gold Coast, I had it every long run during my workouts. Um, just not easy runs. Yeah, because there have been sort of different uh, or varying perceptions of the long run in the last sort of re- well, recent years anyway of trying to not have anything. So abstaining from nutrition to teach the body uh, how to cope without it and uh, then the other theory is well let's learn how to do it Uh, we need it and particularly not just during but also after instead of sitting down hours later you know smashing some uh, breakfast we've actually done that during the race and and fueled for what we probably need so are you which sort of side are you leaning towards there tim moving forward yeah i really like that question because i agree somewhat with both sides so the abstaining part i wanted to talk to i'll go back to ali probably for my second or third marathon um and have that conversation 
with her because she's a lot more qualified than I am to make that call. Um, and I'm definitely where I'm currently at is the side of fueling because I need to learn to fuel. Like I know I can't run a marathon with no fuel. So I'm teaching myself currently because I've come from a no fuel background in terms of racing. Like I don't have to fuel in racing usually. Uh, so I'm teaching myself currently. And once that becomes not an issue, which is pretty soon around the future and probably now, then I'm going to start to look to optimize, uh, yeah, that process, which will be, you know, like, do I need this much? Um, you know, is it better to teach myself to my body to kind of go into the hurt box for a little bit? I don't know. I don't have that answer. Um, but yeah, that's what I'll currently be doing probably in the next few years. Yeah. So you weren't sort of purposefully not uh, taking on anything prior or during. It was just by the fact that over years and years uh, with the endurance, and I, I think of uh, friends or family or or athletes that I know that are new to the sport who require like a meal before running out a, a 10K or half marathon for, and, and you know, for sub or semi-elite runners, we run 10, 15, 20, 25 even some close to 30, not needing it just after years and years. Was it more so like that as opposed to purposefully not having anything? Yeah. Yeah. Like I know if I was to go and run, if I could just go for a jog, I could run 42K, no issues with no food. That's not a problem. Like I'm not scared about doing that. It's just the pace um, and the higher um, burn rate that would make me need to eat. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, let's look to the next six months to a year ahead because you mentioned uh, a focus generally towards improving in the marathon, but how's it going to the training going to sort of differ around events, say on the track or, or shorter? Uh, will the long run sort of stay at the same length? Will sessions remain the same? How's jogging going to look? Is it uh, very, very easy? Do you run at a quicker, uh, easy pace? How does that all fare into the week to cater now for uh, potentially a more of a focus towards the marathon? Yeah, yeah. Interesting question. So um, firstly, next thing coming up for me, I'm leaving for China on the 27th, uh, so like 12 days or something, yeah, um, 11 days for the World University Half Marathon um, in Chengdu. So currently I'm still obviously a little bit, not too banged up from Gold Coast. Niggly is the best word. So just battling little niggles at mileage that usually doesn't give me trouble. So I'm just going to try and get to that race still in decent shape. So after that, um, that's when I'll probably start making these training changes that you speak about. Um, one thing I'd really like to change for my second marathon um, is doing a little more anaerobic work. Um, one thing I did learn from the Gold Coast, like I've, I've I've got to be running a bit quicker than what I was doing. I know it's not anaerobic. It is fully aerobic, but just the muscle memory and just having that cadence, I felt like I just had none of that. Um, and looking in the future, you know, um, guys like Liam Adams, Ed, Andy, Pat Tin and Brett, Jack, you know, they're all rolling much, much higher speeds. Um, so it, there still is an element you need to be able to run fast even if it's not in the race. So um, a Tuesday session, for example, I'd really like to maybe once a fortnight or once a week um, just be on the track. So you can do like smooth, fast running. It would be very different to like a 1500 track set, but nonetheless just get get the legs moving over a bit quicker than what they uh, have been. Uh, I think my marathon sessions will stay pretty similar and then 
uh, probably same to the long run. So the next one I won't actually change too much um, apart from just hopefully do a little more faster stuff, I think, on a Tuesday. So were you doing marathon work in the long run itself on the weekend or is that only yes. within yeah. like a, a – yeah, okay. Um, so you're doing – you're doing a shorter session than a marathon type session later in the week, or is that the one that's on the yeah. on the weekend in the long run? Um, I had a marathon specific session on a Thursday, and then my within my long run, I'd have like a fourteen or sixteen k threshold. Wow! Inside yeah, the long run, like three sessions in the week, yeah. but I guess the intensity is less. Felt than like it. three. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, the long run felt brutal because you get to Sunday. You know, Sunday you don't associate, even though it is long run day. But our Australian traditional long run, you know, you don't wake up on a Sunday and go, "This is you know super hard day." Like for me, that's like a Tuesday. Usually, you wake up, you're like, "Track, this sucks." Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sundays were like that for Gold Coast. You've got it was a long run, and then add a full another day within your long run, and that was your Sunday. That's how yeah. it felt. And uh, predominantly blocks of harder efforts at the marathon pace or were they and will they continue to be broken up in any way across the long run? Yeah, I'd like to – I think the long run, I really rate the fact that it is a block because that, to me, felt like the most race-specific stuff looking back on Gold Coast. It really simulated like how you feel at uh, 35K um, and that kind of rhythm running. Um, Like you feel awful but you've just – you've still got 15k to run like that kind of feeling um i my thursdays i wouldn't mind doing more sessions where it is like a let's say 1k on 1k off or you know maybe 12 to 15 by kilometer stuff like that so still a uh, large volume but try to get moving a bit quicker or something like 10 by 2k with a little bit of recovery in there like active recovery but yeah just keep yeah. the volume maybe some faster running yeah, and, to try because I've got to be running quicker. That's the reality of it. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I've got to be running faster. And that was my next question about why why it's so important to run so fast. And we've alluded to it, I guess, about uh, it, it comparative to a marathon, because uh, I can think of so many reasons. Like you mentioned, cadence, uh, like turnover. Uh, also, what we haven't mentioned is just the feel of it to run so fast at a shorter distance than to go out and race or train at marathon pace must give uh, confidence uh, to the athlete. And also, you know, if we we put these guys, we put the Kipchogis and the the real top-end marathoners over, say, a 400, they're not going to be, you know, a, uh, a low 40-second runner, but uh, they'll be certainly close yeah. to 50, if not under, some of those guys, 50 seconds and under. Uh, and you've spoken already about your speed. Like, what would you run a 400 in? I think... The fastest I've ever run a 400 was one day at training. I went through a 500 meter rep in 54. Um, and I think the fastest I've ever run like a 300 was 40 on the dot. And Jacko had said right before that, if you don't break 40, you should, you should basically quit <laughs> to the group of guys that we were running with. So that was nice to hit 40 on the nose. Um, but yeah, I don't, um, I don't have the wheels cause I've found like a tr- when I do train to get those wheels and do that cherry on top that I was kind of alluding to earlier, um, I can morph my body into a shape where I hold my own. It's not a shape where I pull away from people and dominate on the track, but it's um, at my absolute fastest. I tend to be able to hold my own. That's the best way to put it. 
Yeah, so an athlete that can sort of hold that quicker pace as opposed to having that flat out speed. So uh, I guess in, in a way yeah. you got to work yeah. towards that. And it sounds like you are in a way amongst those three sort of sessions in the week. And then what about the easy running? What sort of a pace are you doing those at? Is it pretty much running to feel when you get out there uh, as easy as yeah, possible? Yeah, yeah. How's all, that looking? All to feel. Um, I tend to try and I, I just watch my uh, watch heart rate. So I know the sensor's not accurate, but my theory is like if you use a bad sensor every day, it's a reliable bad sensor because you're using the same thing. So I'm not looking at it for what the number is, but relative to up or down of what my average is. Like 10, my watch tells me um, usually like mid 130s when I'm going well, sometimes lower. Um, so basically if I see an average easy run where I'm, kind of cruising around 150 there's usually a reason for it could um and that's when if there's no reason for it um you know i'll start to make changes in my training or be a bit more careful so it's not the most scientific approach but there is method behind it and i just run to feel and use that as a bit of a backup retrospectively after the run yeah for sure uh anyway we're getting uh closer to the end of this but uh so just give us some events you mentioned earlier some of them but in the next six months year two years uh five years where you might see yourself in that marathon that's surely the event that we're working towards right what we're doing and where we're heading yeah sweet so um first one's the world unis if i can get back to national cross and still be in one piece I'd love to finish my season there in August. Um, looking ahead, probably more midterm. Kobe Marathon in November. Fingers crossed that all works out. Um, and I'd really like to give World Cross Trials a go in January because I um, wasn't fit or in shape to do that this year. So um, I'd just like to experience, like, you know, our most competitive cross-country race um, that we offer, you know. So that'd be cool. Looking forward after that. I'm thinking, yeah, probably still keep drawing the half. I've got nothing actually planned. And because of the weighting of the marathon with Oceana Champs, I pretty much can't go anywhere with the marathon in the next two years till the next Oceana Champs. Um, That's my next chance to kind of get big points. So I really just want to run experience races for the next two years. um, And then I'll kind of reevaluate depending on how I go at the next Oceana Champs, which will be Gold Coast in two years' time. Mm. Um, And then... That'll, I'm trying to think, I'll be 26, 27 then. So, yeah, hopefully it, by two to three years, I'm hoping to be somewhat competitive at the marathon. Um, and I'll start making my race decisions then around, you know, uh, points and qualifying windows. And, uh, yeah, just hope to get to that point where I can do that because I'm currently obviously not in that picture, um, which is fun. I've got heaps of learning to do. Yeah, and he's the time. I don't think we mentioned age uh, specifically before, but so you're around 24, 25 yes. at the moment? Um, yeah, 25 in September. Yeah, yeah so might- marathon year's got heaps heaps of time in me. Just yeah. got to keep running them. Yeah, and see guys like Liam Adams with his time the other week and then the women, Australian female marathoners too in their 40s, killing it. You've got uh, yeah. 10, 15 years to uh, really give this thing a go. So uh, it's exciting. But let me grab my phone for these listener questions. Uh, there was definitely a few last yeah, time I checked. Yeah, let's do Yeah, all good. Any guesses as to who's sent one out here for you? 
Yeah, I know one's from my training partner, Connor Latouf, so I'm actually keen to see if I can pick which one that is. He didn't tell me what it was. Oh, um, I don't know don't if it's a stitch-up or a serious question, but, yeah, I'm keen to find out or see if I can guess which one it is. It's gone to the archive because I, I put it out Friday night, which is very early for me, so hopefully I can track these questions down. Oh, brilliant. They're still here. Wait. Yeah, Connor Latour, if the name rings the bell, I'm pretty sure he was at the Sandgate um, Burt Speedy Park run we had the other month. Yeah, he would have been. He had a very good one. He, I think he came second there and he's knocking on the door to break 30 at the moment for the 10K. With a mid-14 at a park run with a turnaround on a on a jetty as well. Pretty narrow footpath with like 700 runners. So that's pretty handy. Uh, so anyway, he's asked about FIFA, favorite FIFA card. Oh, geez. So context, Jordo McLennan and I got into FIFA for probably three months. And this is like start of this year. So the game's progressed a fair bit since then and we don't actually play. Favorite FIFA card. So this card would be outdated. That's my point basically because the game's progressed. I'm trying to think of someone I use. Let's just go. It was a James Milner center midfield card. I think it was a Centurions. I think it's an 86 Connor. So, yeah. There you go. This means nothing uh, at all to me. Yeah, it means nothing to anyone. So let's keep going. Connor will enjoy that. Uh, a lot of the questions we've actually kind of answered through the episode, really. But um, this yeah. one's about balance. So you, you now, this is a good one, actually, really, because you've only worked full-time, well, in the area that you want to and longer term this year, right? So balancing work and training, how's that looked? You're running mainly mornings, afternoons? Uh, yeah, mix of both. So because I'm private practice, I do have some opens or morning shifts and some close or late shifts, um, and then I need a double. So, um, you know, if my Saturday morning's usually my earliest run, I'll be out 4.35 a.m. for a short double. Latest runs, I'm doubling at 8 o'clock at night. Usually I'm quite lucky with my timetable. It's quite good, so I can get out for most 7 a.m. runs and stuff, but I'll always do my workouts in the morning um, around work and then a lot of my easy joggings, same thing, morning, or if it's an early start, I'll just go on the other. Excellent. Did I mention so just make, it, make it fit like a pun? Sorry, no, no. Tom Yep is his name on Instagram. Cool. Anything to you? Thanks, Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I've met Tom, but very sorry, Tom, if we have. But, yeah, thank you very much for your question. Yeah, it's an important one, particularly if you're running anyone, recreational or elite, every day. You've got to think about those things. Uh, all yeah. right, I've got five of my own, and i got uh, less than five minutes on the clock as a bit of a guide because um, we spent some serious time here talking. It's been great, but predominantly about that yeah. Gold Coast run. Anyway, um, here we go. These got to be quick. So current shoes, so the sessions, jogging, racing, what you run in Wait. the Gold Coast, for example. I ran in the first Alphafly model. Andy Buchanan talked me out of the Alpha 2s. So I got a fresh pair of them. Still got to experiment, but decided the marathon wasn't the day to do that. Um, training in Next Percent 2s for my faster workouts. Jogging in either Peg 37s or Peg 38s, depending what's cheaper at DFO at the time. Great. Uh, Favourite run of the week? Is it the, the marathon sessions? Is it the jogging or the, the uh, faster stuff? Any run I get to do with another person. 
so, which sounds so sad, but that's the reality of like that marathon build. It's usually jogging. So if I get to jog um, or even my long run where I do the jog before it, sometimes I meet people rarely uh, during that marathon build because I was just running so far. But, yeah, a few weeks I did run into Louis McAfee, uh, Lachlan Cowley, sometimes Connor, who asked that FIFA question before, um, and that always makes for a good run. Fantastic. Hey, our last one is message out there to aspiring runners, whether they be kids or, you know, young adults similar to your age or older runners, recreational runners like we've spoken about on here. How can they get through it? What's the what's the special uh, tip from uh, Tim Vincent? The, my special tip is not a special tip and it works not only in running all aspects of life, which is actually even better. You've just got to keep showing up. So that's the key to success and that's what I kind of keep all the values that I hold myself to. So whether it's work, uh, you know, sport or anything in life, if you just keep showing up, you don't take no for an answer, um, the probability of the outcome actually coming off goes up every single time. So if you're on your 10 millionth iteration of something, yeah, you're pretty, you're going to get ever closer to success and the 10 millionth and first iteration is going to be even closer again. So, uh, most of success is just literally keep showing up and don't make the same mistake twice. Learn. I love it. Consistency oh, and routine. Yep. And hopefully we see that uh, for you in the next uh, year or so and even further, 5, 10, 15 years in the marathon, which is very exciting. So uh, thanks for your time, Tim. Today we've we've spoken, well, I've spoken to a few runners uh, that you're particularly close with, but it's great to have you in front of the screen and the microphone. And um, yeah, best of wishes for your training. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch somewhere along the way in the next uh, few years. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks very much for having me, Ollie. Really enjoyed it. No problems. Have a great weekend. We got uh, not much left of yes. it, but uh, enjoy yourself. Thanks, Ollie. Likewise. See ya. See ya. If you enjoyed listening to this episode or the local legend in running podcast in general, please jump on Spotify, give it a rating. I'd much appreciate it. Thank you.